You're listening to Pastor Joel Trailer from New Life Fellowship in Shadyside, Ohio. Today we'll be discovering the benefit of our faith as we continue our sermon series on stewardship. Join us as we turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 4. There's two types of people in the room. You're either ignorant or you're stupid. Come on. What does that mean? You either don't know it yet or you know it and you choose something that is stupid. Anybody ever do that? You know better and yet you still do it. And what's that called? Come on. I'm not insulting you. I'm just being honest. We either don't know and so we're ignorant and we need knowledge. That's why you're going to college because you need knowledge, aren't you? It's why we pursue anything. It's why we... Buy manuals. It's why we check out videos and how-tos and all those things. It's because we're ignorant. We just don't know. Thereby, you have an excuse because you're ignorant. Right? It's okay to be ignorant. Everybody is. From birth, you're ignorant. People are looking at me like he's calling me names. I didn't come to church for this. Yes, you did. You're ignorant. And if... If, if you don't do, once you learn and you become knowledgeable, when you do something, let's just call stupid, stupid. Can we just agree that, that sometimes we do stupid stuff? Steve, you ever do anything stupid? Does anybody, let me see anybody in the room who's never done something stupid. Just show me your hand. Never done something stupid. See, we've done, everybody's done something stupid, right? So here's the thing. Everybody's ignorant and everybody's stupid. But in Christ, we're none of those things. I'm trying to insult you and make you feel good about it. (laughs) Hey, I've been there. Here's what happens is when we're singing that song, the, the word is take my life and let it be yours. Take my life and let it be yours. What, what, how, how can you possibly surrender that way? You know, one of the most difficult, if I ask the ladies in the church, if I ask you, what's one of the most difficult passages of scripture for you personally, for a woman? What's one of the most difficult passages in the Bible for a woman? Do you know what it is? Yeah, that big S word I heard. Submit. Submit, therefore, to your husbands. Why is submission from... From, for a woman to a man, why is that such a big deal? Why is it that we, we drive equality to the point where somehow we're, we're like this? Because somehow the balance was like this and it was whacked out and because ungodly men were ruling over women in a way that God never intended for it to be. See, because the idea is, is that what he actually gives women, you can always come back to this when the men say, you're supposed to submit. You're supposed to come back and say, yeah, and you're supposed to die for me. You lay down your life for me. When you lay down your life for me, the more you do that, the more I can submit. Why? Because I know you're not going to rule over me. See? Wow, that's tough. Say, guys, that's tough. Huh? Yeah, that's tough. Women say, that'd be nice. Huh? And what will happen is when you find that, when you get that in your relationship, what will happen is you'll begin to have balance. See, because what it is, is it's a matter of if I surrender to you, if you take me captive, what exactly are you going to do with me? See, I can't say take my life and give it to you if, if I can't trust what you're going to do with me. 
See, but what Jesus did is he says, he says, come to me. And then he says that on the cross, he took a host of captives, say prisoner. He took prisoners captive and he set them free. Do you see that? He took prisoners and it's, it's really kind of like a vigilante kind of thing. See what I mean? He came over here and he said, you're all in prison and you're all innocent. Okay, you're totally guilty, but I'm going to make you innocent. And then I'm going to take you over here and, and just follow me. And they do. And then he says, here you go. Green pastures, rolling brooks, peaceful waters, banquet table with all the things that you really love. The best of all Amish cooking. Huh? And that's what he says. He prepares a table for us in the presence of your enemies. Can you imagine what that means? You know I'm talking out of Psalm 23 right now, right? What's that mean? That you're going to sit there. How many people do you see who sit down and dine in the front of their enemies? It's just not a real good place. A war zone is not a good place for a banquet facility. See what I mean? But that's what God says. That's what he says he'll do. So look at what it says in Hebrew. I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. In the bulletin, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. <laughs> what joy. Can you say, ha, 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 give me some joy. There's three. Give me joy. Come on. If Santa said, if you'll laugh, I'll give you a present. Come on. You would say, <laughs> something I would do. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. It's one of the reasons why, folks, I talk to you about uh, many times. I'll say the same thing. You'll hear it. Let it be whatever's in your heart, the condition of your soul, because it's good in Jesus Christ. Let that manifest on your face. You should look like you got some joy. See what I'm saying? You shouldn't be going around with a long face on. Why? Because... You've been redeemed because your life has been taken out of captivity here and you've been set free. And so because you're free, you ought to have some stinking joy. While you're in this prison, you may as well be miserable. That helps you to appreciate the joy. And it's important when you're on this side in in joy, freedom land, that you remember what it was like when you were a prisoner. Do you remember that? How many times have you heard of, of, of entertainers or athletes or people who've had success that they talk about not forgetting where they came from? Why? Because that's really important because where we came from and what you've come through and what you've endured in your life is so important for us to remember over here because this gives us strength and it gives us vitality and it helps us to stay on the pursuit of that which God set us free for. See? You ought to say that was good. That's truth. That's not me. I'm not asking for your applause. I'm just telling you that that's truth. That's what Christ has set us free for, so that we can actually help somebody else to become free. Amen? All right, here we go. Are you at Romans chapter 4? Look at what it says. Name three things that you're convinced about. Now, I'm not going to give you time to think about those kinds of things, but you're convinced about certain things. I'm convinced 
that, uh, that I married the right girl and that she married the right guy. I'm convinced about that. I'm not searching. I'm not seeking. I'm not looking anymore. There's nothing. Nobody else captures my eye. No one else has my heart. Never will. She's it. I am absolutely convinced about that. I pray that you'll be able to say the same thing about your spouse. <laughs> a friend who called him a spousal unit. About your spousal unit. Name three things that you are convinced about. I'm convinced that God loves me. He loves me no matter what. His love truly is unconditional. God loves me not based on how I am. He loves me. I know that because it says that in Romans 5, 8 in the Bible, it says God demonstrates his love for us in that while we're still pukey, gutter-dwelling sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't do it because we were good enough. Well, if you'll get good enough, I'd like to represent you. Noah, someday I'd like to represent you. But I want to make sure that you're going to be successful. I don't want to be wasting my time. And that's not what God said. God says, I'm taking you when I, I don't see how you're going to make it. I don't know how you're going to win the tough man contest, really. What hope is there, really? Because you, you're too happy. You're too kind. But you know what? You see something in the boy that says, I've seen the mean streak, yeah. I've seen this champion thing going on. So guess what? He's worth it. And if nothing else, there's an impartation that's going to happen in the pursuit of that goal. That'll be a good thing for both of you, won't it? So here's the thing. Three things you're convinced about. One, my bride. Two, the love of God. He's loved me no matter what I've been like. He's loved me straight through it. He loved me and he hung out right there. He says, I can't go with you into that place. No, no. Because I'm holy. So I can't go where you're going right now, but I'm, I'm right here. I'm an ever-present help in your time of need. If you turn to me, when you turn to me, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm right here. And what's another thing you're convinced about? I'm convinced about the temporary aspect of this life. I'm convinced that heaven is real. Not because some little eight-year-old boy wrote a book about it. If you're going based on that, if you don't have your own reality of heaven, I'm telling you that book ain't going to convince you because there's another book that says how this eight-year-old wasn't really telling the truth. And you can read that book and you can come against that and you can begin to question if heaven and hell and why believe anything anyway. I'll just believe what I want to believe or make up your own story. So you got to have this this sense that, that heaven is real because Jesus is real, because God is real. Because Satan is real. Sometimes I tell people, the more you know evil, the more you know how real good is. Huh? Because sometimes some of us were there. We were inherently evil. I was a nice guy on the outside. I had that facade on. And inside, I was deceptively wicked, cruel, mean. Absolutely selfish. And um, dangerous. Dangerous. I wasn't macho dangerous. I was sissy dangerous, but I was still dangerous. You know what I'm saying? I was dangerous because of the things I was capable of to deceive and to steal or rob or lie or cheat. All those kinds of Anybody been there before? Before Jesus? Yeah. Scary that he, he called me to be a pastor. See, when he says, come to me, I'm going to take you captive. 
And it, when it came down to me surrendering, I had to see the value in surrendering to him. You can't just surrender to anybody. Some of us have done that before, haven't we? It says Jesus did not give himself fully to them because he knew what was in their hearts. See, when God does is he reveals his heart to us. And that makes him trustworthy. He did it up front for you and me. And then he says, trust me. Why? Because I've shown you who I am. You know what's in my heart. So I can trust him. Three things that you're convinced about. The second one there at the question down says, for what purpose did Jesus come into the world? Actually, if you did a little search on your Bible program, it, it would say, for this purpose, I've come into the world. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty easy answer, but that's not the one I'm giving you. It's not the one I'm looking for from you. I want you to know, what, what purpose did Jesus come into the world? So we would have Christmas. No. For what purpose did Jesus? So answer that question on your own as you meditate maybe on the message. And then do you find certain things about faith or do you find that certain things about faith are pointless? What do you think? Anybody in the room want to be so honest as raise your hand on that one? Do you find that certain things about faith are pointless? What do you think? I, what, do, do you want to say what it is? No, but you find certain things are pointless. What? Yeah. Yeah, why do you have to stop sinning? If he took them all, why doesn't he just... What good? Yeah, that's good. What else? Anybody else? It's, faith is pointless. You know, one of the things that I find is pointless, debating. Debating. Anybody ever have that? Debating about faith. When you debate with somebody who just doesn't have it going on, the light isn't on, (laughs) or the light's on and nobody's home. Anybody been there? Yeah, you've met people like that. I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest. Come on. They're ignorant, and they don't want to know the truth so as to be... Saved. Huh? Some people like staying in their ignorance. Why? Because that's sometimes they're deceived thinking that ignorance is safe. Well, you guys have heard knowledge is power, right? Not all knowledge is power. Some professing to be wise became as fools. Some pursuing just knowledge itself that they never came to the understanding of the truth so as to be saved. Wow. Ready? Let's go read about Father Abraham. Father Abraham. Many sons has Father Abraham. We're in a Methodist, Presbyterian kind of church that does those songs. Abraham was... Ready? Verse 1. I couldn't help myself. It's a good song. Like, if you have your earplugs in. Ready? Romans chapter 4. God's saying, watch it, boy. Let's pray. Father, uh, touch our, our minds right now. Help us that we might have the mind of Christ. Father, open up our hearts that we would, uh, we would have your heart, O oh God, for your scripture, for your word, that we would have your uh, heart for 
learning, for understanding. And God, we ask that you would uh, touch our ears, that we would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying through your holy scripture, your holy word. Lord, that you might forever transform our lives, that you'd be glorified in the result of a transformed life. And so God, help us with those things which seem pointless, that they truly would make sense today because you've opened our eyes, you've opened our mind, that God, you have spoken by your spirit to ours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. Remember that from, uh, we'll go on. Ready, verse 1, chapter 4. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. You wonder where the Jewish nation Israel came from? It says, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. Because it wasn't Abraham at all. That's what he's really telling you is it was God's idea, but he used Abraham. Do you get it? Many times in our life, when we're going to pursue what God wants and we're going to be obedient to him, it might be that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps that it's really not our thing. It's not our church, not our ministry. It's not our mission. It's his mission. I'm just a vessel. I'm a servant for his purposes. That's always the best place because there's humanly speaking, but we're on a divine mission. Amen. Can you say divine mission? Yeah, divine mission. So Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? Good question, isn't it? What did he discover that made being right with God? What did he discover about being made right with God? Two, verse two. If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. Any boasters in the room? You know what boasting is, right? Look at what I did. Hey, it's why we get trophies, isn't it? It's why we get badges. It's why we're on honor rolls. It's why we pursue certain things in life. Because we like to boast about it. Ted, you talked about stuff in your garage. There was a day when you would have boasted about the stuff in your garage. Not after you went through Financial Peace University. (laughs) So guess what? Now I, I boast, it might boast of the goodness of God that he's given me provision, that he's made it possible for me to have, have these things, to have a good life, to, to take care of myself and my family, see, to be able to give away to other people. But it says that if his good deeds, Abraham, if he was such a perfect dude, he wouldn't have needed Jesus either, would he? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. Can you say that ain't God's way? It isn't a matter of some puffed up person talking about how good they are, how they read the scripture all the time, all the word of God that's hidden in their heart, all the wonderful charity that they do, all the money that they give, all the other things, how they spend their time and invest it, see, for for their glory. See, that's boasting. Paul says, if I boast, I boast of the Lord. I boast of the Lord, not of myself. But see, in America, we're especially raised up to want to climb the ladder of success. And along the way, we like to, we develop what's called the praise of men. The praise of men. Hey, good job. Good job, man. Hey, let me tell Angie's list about you. Huh? Angie's list. So when somebody's looking for a good contractor, they can contact Angie's list. and They'll see the praise about you and your fine quality craftsmanship. It says that was not God's way. Verse 3, for the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith. Wow, today 
really, we're talking about our benefit. That's going to come up here. Our benefit. In the, the, considering the ships of faith, considering stewardship, is stewardship of, of faith itself. Do you know that it's not stewardship isn't just a matter of money? Stewardship is a, a matter of, of even faith. You have a stewardship of faith. That means you got to believe when it seems unbelievable. See, when everything's not going our way, we have a stewardship of faith is that you've got to work out this faith. See, you got to walk out your faith. Look at verse four. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Now, come on. How practical is the Bible that it's actually talking about getting paid for doing work? Is that a modern day kind of scenario or not? This word, which is 2000 years old, is it still relevant today? You still want to get paid, don't you? Huh? And you'd like to get paid for what you work, right? So here it is in the Bible. How believable is the Bible? It's so believable. It actually talks about when people work, their wages are not a gift. You're not doing me a favor. I'm working for it. I've earned this, right? Don't take that to entitlement. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. God's always taken us from the mindset of this world into the mind of Christ, which is setting it back on his mission, which was to save sinners. For Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So then verse 6 says, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. See that? That's what we read in verse 7, right, to begin with. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Can you say clean slate? That's what it is, clean slate. Huh? Go ahead, wipe your slate clean. That's what he did. Just go ahead, take this hand of Jesus, say this hand's Jesus. Huh? And there he does. He just wipes that slate clean. Yes, sirree. It'd be nice you going down the street and thinking about you're in Walmart standing there and all of a sudden you're doing this. Somebody's bound to ask you a question, aren't they? You're like, you're, you're weird, dude. Yeah. You know what? I got a clean slate. Why? Because he cleaned my slate. Yes, sirree. He cleaned my slate. Can you see what that'll do? People are going to want to know why you're free, why you aren't locked up somewhere. Because they're prisoners, aren't they? They don't know this. And if they've heard it, they haven't received it. They're, the light hasn't come on. Huh? Whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. I'm going to be doing that in a restaurant sometime this, this week. I'll, you'll hear about it. Maybe the news. I'll cover that story. A weirdo stood up in Eaton Park this week and caused a commotion and everybody fled. North, south, east, and west. Here it is. We're going to use this weird word in the Bible. Here it is, verse 9. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? 
Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Remember, he called Abraham into obedience. And when Abraham says, okay, I'll, I'll follow you. He had his own country. He was, it says, Ur of the Chaldees. Do you know what their god was, the Chaldean god? It was the, the, their god was called Sin. Wow. How blatant is that? Huh? That god, who is not the real god, he's called Sin. And God calls Abraham out of Sin. Guess where he calls you and me out of? He calls you and me out of sin. Why? Because sin is captivity. And he says, I don't want you over there. I want you over here. This is freedom. When you don't sin, you have freedom. When you sin, you're bound up. Anybody discover that yet? When I do what I know is not right, when I'm stupid, I'm in bondage. Huh? Can I have an amen on that one? Yeah. So what happens is when I do what I know is right and where God has told me, live holy, be holy as he is holy. Guess what I am? I'm F-R-E-E. I am free, free. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, six letter word. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I am free indeed. So we got this thing called circumcision. So most people are born into it. You didn't have a choice about it. And if you're a male, you might have found yourself that somehow this thing happened to you, the cutting away of the flesh, and you didn't even have a choice about the matter. Because your parents were doing something that had become some sort of custom. But we forgot what the custom was for. The custom was a matter of obedience because he called him from Ur of the Chaldees. And then he says to him, he says, okay, here's the deal. I want you to separate flesh from spirit. And we're going to call that circumcision. And so you're going to come under the knife and this is what you're going to do just because you're going to show me your faith, your willingness to obey me. Wow. Well, I thought it was because of some medical necessity as you grow older or something. Nope. Just a spiritual basis. That's why people, there's actually people now who don't want to see this and they claim that it's just stupid and it's actually inhumane because of the whole process. Well, I'm just telling you that they're just ignorant. (laughs) I'm not going to call people stupid. They don't know yet. They don't know that because they haven't heard Romans chapter 4. They could know, but you know what? Who reads the Bible? Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. Do you know that this speaks to Psalm 139 that says God knew you before you were ever formed or fashioned in the womb? Huh? He ordained every day for you before there was even one. Do you understand that we come into this? Now, I'm talking about a a guy thing right now, but it's not a guy thing because it's a people thing. He just happened to use guys because guess what guys don't like to do? We don't like to submit. We don't like to to have, if there's a way to come against a, a guy, guess what it could be? 
that, 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 that thing right there. That's what it would be. See? Just be honest. That's, that's where we get some of, our, some of our little macho. So guess what? God tests Abraham and says, let's see. If, if, if it's a matter of the blessing of the Old Testament is the amount, amount of children that you've sired or you've fathered, guess what? Well, now you're, you're putting me in danger now. Because this means I won't have the fruit of the womb. And this means I won't be able to, to sow seed. And this means that, that I won't have the inheritance and I won't have the kingdom and I won't have the power and I won't have the prestige. You're calling everything into account right now. And do you know what? Abraham, how many heirs did he have at this point? How many heirs did he have at this point? Zero. Do you understand that it was like saying, okay, I'm going to let somebody, I'm going to, I'm going to get cut. And then I'm going to trust you for bringing forth an heir. And an inheritance and success and everything else that I'll be known for. Do you see the faith that actually was involved from a word that makes somebody uncomfortable? Maybe (laughs) talk to God. He put in his word. Before he, verse 13, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, even then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. So see, some of you who think that Religion has been pointless and faith has been pointless is because you got some law in you. You got some legalism going on. You haven't got that point that says, hey, wait, and I know I'm talking to some guys said, hey, I think it's pointless. I'm going to tell you there's some points of law that are still going on and trying to rule in your life. And that's the reason for it. And guess what? There's people in the room. You haven't got it before either. You just weren't being honest about faith being pointless. How many of you have ever backslid? Okay, then you thought faith was pointless at some time, didn't you? That's what you felt. You felt like, why bother? What's the use? And you walked away. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back. Not only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. Those are called lawless people. Do you see it on TV nowadays? Over in Syria, over in Egypt? You see it where there's no law, not not, not democratic law. There's not Sharia law. There's just no law. And each man, because there's no king, was doing what's right in their own eyes. Hello, the Bible speaks to today. It speaks to Egypt. It speaks to Syria. It speaks to Iraq. It speaks to anywhere around the, the world where men throw off The law, there were people arrested this last week. I saw it. I saw it on the news. Drug raids, shootings. There were were things going on. They broke the law and that's why they're... Now imagine if there was just no law. What's that movie that came out? Hopefully it's just going to die a quick death. Remember it? Where where there's no law, nothing's illegal for one, one day. What is it? Purge, the purge. (laughs) <laughs> oh, if I could just get rid of this person. 
Oh, if I could just ax them, nix them. Well, guess what? When we cast off restraint, see, that's where chaos really happens. So what's it say? Brings us up to it. Look at verse 16. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. Say it's free. You can't pay for it. Get it? That's why you can't pay for your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. You can't work for your salvation. You can't work for the freedom to be taken from this place to that place. You can't pay the mater d to get a preferred seat. See, are we all certain to, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. Too many Christians today want to go back to some law code and basis of New Testament based on Old Testament and work based on the law. And yet, both Romans and Galatians, by the way, talks about the futility of the law. See? Not because the law didn't serve a purpose, just because now there's a greater covenant that we live under. So here it goes. If it says, we are certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Why? Because he's the first believer. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. Now look at this. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. That's why Judy may be down, but she's not out. You get it? We still have hope in our heart. There's a possibility because all things are possible with God. There's a possibility that he can do something there that is miraculous and she'll be in church next Sunday. Wow. We believe that. Yes, we believe. And we believe that heaven is so grand and glorious that he might just say, hey, I, I, I love you too much to let you continue in this life. I'm taking you on for eternity. And hey, either way, she wins. Bible says, hey, to live is Christ, to die is gain. How do you gain? Because we're done with this life. Hold loosely to this life, folks. This happened because he believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. Bringing the dead back to life is called resurrection, folks. And everybody in the room, we're going to die. I'm absolutely convinced of that. It's necessary that we all die. But then comes the judgment. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Are you going on? Did you RSVP to heaven? That's what it's about. So it says in verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Why? For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. See, what we need to do is when we're in the throes of issues and problems and circumstances and you know, Judy, with, with her seeming to, to be on the, on, on the, the yeah, threshold of death, on the, kind of thinking about a conveyor that's just going, it's, it's, in, it's in motion, it's started. Is the possibility exists that God can still do something, that he, he might still do something? But what we need to do is we need to hear what has God said. Huh? If, if I'm ever walking with you folks through, through an issue in your lives that just seems insurmountable, even death, I'm going to ask you, what is God saying? And you might say, I've never heard his voice. And we'll be praying for you to hear his voice first because that's the first thing that you've got to have because God said, God called Abraham, he heard God's voice. That's where obedience and everything else starts. 
All right, I'm toward the end, trust me. Say, I don't know what's in your heart. Yes, you do. I want you to get something from today to, that will change your life, that will help you to live a fulfilled life in God. See, verse 19, and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. I'm telling you, folks, God is glorified when whatever you're facing seems so insurmountable, and you don't know how you're going to make it, and you don't know how you're going to get through it, and yet all of a sudden you turn to him, and you continue to believe no matter what it looks like with these natural eyes. God has said something in my heart. God has spoken something to me that causes me to believe beyond what I see because that's what the essence of faith is. Faith is what? Hebrews 11.1 1 tells you the exact definition of what it is. Faith is what? Yeah, it's evidence. It's an assurance. And it's something that is not necessarily on what I can muster and what I can build and what I can create and what I can grab a hold of. It's kind of like this, but it's there. He never wavered. Man, what a high goal that sets for us, isn't it? He never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. That's what I asked you. Why are you con- what are you convinced about? Name three things you're absolutely convinced about. Folks, you ought to have something in your life that has absolutely convinced you to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Therein lies the answer to that question, why did Jesus come into the world? He was to die and be raised to life to make us right with God. You want to be right with God? It's already been done. It's already been done. You know what you and I need to do? We need to receive it. We need to ask for it. So here it is, faith to ask. It's John 16, 23 to 28. It'll be up on the wall for you. This is my closing scripture. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything, Jesus says. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. What a profound statement that is. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and I will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Wow. Did you get it? Verse 27. 
The Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Why am I convinced about the love of God? Because his word tells me how much he loves me and because he showed it to me personally. Has he shown you his love personally? Do you understand the love of God that goes beyond anything we could even hope or imagine? Do you understand how much he loves you and that though he he sees your sin, though he knows every issue about your life, though he knows how, how, how pukey you are, he knows when you're ignorant and he knows how you're stupid and he still loves you. Isn't that amazing? Here's what I've always said. I want you to have one takeaway of the day. I've always said I can't lose with God because if I mess up, he convicts me of my sin. He shows me and he leads me to repentance. And if I walk upright and I do what he tells me to do and I live my life so as to serve him and honor him and reflect him, I just move in blessing. Either way, I can't lose with God. So folks, though you might be ignorant and though you might be stupid at times, you're not a loser. Amen? Say, I'm not a loser. You are not a loser. Amen? Say, I'm not a loser. Come on. Not a loser. Let's stand up. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we're not losers because you've made us victors. You said that, that for those who believe, those who believe, you said, fear not about all the things of this life and of this world. I have overcome the world. So you call us more than conquerors. So, Father, I agree with that. And I agree that for some of us, we, we lack understanding. And, and we're, we're in the place of ignorance. And we need, God, for you to turn on the light of heaven. For you, God, to open up and fan the flame in us. That which you put there, it's your own investment in us from the very beginning. Created in your image, God. So we just agree with that right now, that you would fan that flame. That, God, you bring fresh illumination to your word, to your truth. That, God, for those of us who who have backslid, those of us who have come to the place where faith seems pointless, then, God, you'll you'll help us to to understand that we'll have the mind of Christ and, God, that you will open up, that, that we'll have wisdom. So, Father, according to your word, we pray for the wisdom of God that you'll give it to us without measure. And, Father, I pray for us that in, in the pursuit of life itself that we don't lose track of what we're really here for, God. And that this is only a temporary stay. We're, we're just on vacation. What a terrible vacation it can be sometimes. So God help us to have a perspective of heaven. Help us God to hold loosely to this life. Help us to live the victorious life free from sin God. And we ask you to help us to honor you in every way. We come before you. We ask for your blessings. I agree that your word God says over us that you hold us in the palm of your hand. And that you will not, uh, no one can pluck us out. I agree with your word that says it's there's no weapon or, that's formed or fashioned against us that can prosper. We agree with your word that says death and pestilence itself won't come near our tent, near our, near our, near our abiding place. We agree with your word that says if we seek you that we will find you. I agree, Father, with your word that says that when we seek after uh, the things of, of uh, your kingdom, that God, you add all the other things that we need in this life. I agree, Father, with your blessing on each household represented here. I agree with your blessing on each relationship. I pray, God, that we will become firmly convinced about the things with which your word declares about us, God, and about you, about this life, about why we're here, the purpose of Jesus. 
And Father, I agree that uh, you will hold us up, that you'll bring your word back to our remembrance during this week, that we will live in light of it. God, that some of us would even uh, be willing to stand in the midst of public and, Lord, be able to clean slate. We got a clean slate. Lord, speak to us about walking with that uh, newness of life that you've given to us. And we pray, Father, that you'll continue to clean our slate. We need your help. We need your grace. Father, keep us from the evil one, which means keep us from being stupid. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Joel Trailer from New Life Fellowship in Shadyside, Ohio. This message is titled, The Benefit of Faith, part two of our stewardship series. To learn more about New Life Fellowship and our service times, visit our website at www.timefornewlife.com. Join us next week for part three as we discover the responsibilities of success and blessing.